0: Welcome to Arbel Ministries podcast with Mark Whitehead. Today we're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 2. And we'll just begin by reading the first two verses and then we'll unpack What all's in this chapter? So starting in verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, The sons of Israel shall camp, each by his own standard, with the banners of their fathers' households. They shall camp around the tent of meeting at a distance. So we're in this story where God is taking Israel on this 40-year journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. And there were so many lessons that he needed to teach his people if they were going to be a faithful bride. So Israel comes out of Egypt. And now, as we've said before, God has to get Egypt out of his people. One of the first lessons they needed to understand was the importance of community. I just want you to imagine what this people would soon experience as they're hiking on their way to the promised land through the book of Numbers. Do you think it would be an easy hike as God led them from Egypt into Canaan No, it it would be very, very hot. That area uh, commonly is at least 120 degrees in the summer. It's it's just incredibly dry. It's mountainous. It is hard. It is difficult even today with our modern equipment to hike in that area. And here's the, the, the issue. They would soon realize that on this journey, community was not simply a choice. It it was going to be a method of survival. They had to learn how to help one another. Some of those ancient roads, as I've hiked down these wadis, we would have to stop and literally help lift one another up just to continue hiking. It is not easy. So Israel had to learn, it wasn't necessarily a race to reach their destination. It was actually a group effort. Spiritually, community is an absolute necessity. We need each other. We live in a world which doesn't seem to place a lot of importance on community. I mean, even in the church, we don't always see the importance of being together as a community. So maybe we come on Sunday morning to be fed. Do we go back on Sunday night? Do we, do we even care about a prayer service maybe on a Wednesday? If you don't view community and your church body as something you absolutely need to survive spiritually, you're going to start finding excuses of why you're not going to be there. And this isn't a legalistic thing that if you're not there on Sunday night or Wednesday night, oh no, you have to doubt your salvation. My point is, we have to understand the importance of community. And that's what Israel had to learn in the desert let me assure you that it is a necessity for our spiritual walk to have community. And as believers, understand we are not racing against one another. Just as Israel hiked through the desert and they helped each other along the way, that's exactly what the picture should be in the church. It's a group effort. Let me read you a couple verses in the New Testament that that are probably familiar to you but are so important as we talk about this. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5 say this, For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members one of another. So just like our body has different functions, we have ears, we have toes, we have fingers, but they all serve different um, functions and different um, aspects of our body. But it's still one body in the very same way that that's what we are in Christ. We all have different passions and different ministries and different things that God has geared us towards. But we're one body in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 says this, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. You, plural, all of you are Christ's body, singular. So it's not that each one of us is a different temple of the Holy Spirit or a different body of Christ. We all make up one body. So listen, if we're not a part of our local body or we don't see the importance of being there, then we're hampering the body of Christ. If I'm trying to run a marathon and my right foot is injured and it's just, it's not even working. Would it be more difficult to run those 26.2 miles? Absolutely. Do you realize that you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are part of the body of Christ? Understand what you do to His body when you don't see the importance of being a part of the community and of using your spiritual gifts that you've been entrusted. You're hampering His body. So we have to learn what it looks like to be a unified body of Christ. And the same concept that God began teaching Israel way back in Numbers is the same concept we have to understand today. See, in Numbers 2, God lays out a very specific plan for Israel's camp. And we see that the tabernacle was to be in the very center of the camp. That, that's, that's what His Word says. It's the very center. And if you look at the rest of Numbers 2, you see right around the tabernacle were the Levites. But then God systematically places each tribe, all 12 tribes, in a very specific location. And it wasn't accidental where he placed them. He had three tribes to the east, headed by Judah. He had three tribes to the south. He had three tribes to the west. And he had three tribes to the north. And if you look at, If you visualize what that camp looked like, it is this picture of unity. All the tribes gathered in this orderly fashion with a tabernacle being the central figure. So understand, each tribe had their own marching orders. They had their own duties. But each of them knew that the story was not about them. Instead, it was about the one who made residence in the center of the camp. And what's sad today in our church is, I think a lot of times we lose this principle that while God gives us individual duties and individual passions and individual things that He wants each of us to be about, in the grand scheme of things, He's in the center that's his desire. He doesn't want it to, for us to make all the things that we do about us. He wants us to understand that, no, he is the central figure. And it's all about him. So we see in our text in verse 2 that we read a few moments ago that the Israelites, the sons of Israel, shall camp. And it says, each one under their standard... And then it says, holding the banners of their family. So what is a standard? And how is that different from a family banner? Because there's two very distinct things here at play. Well, let me give you an illustration. For four years, I worked as uh, an equipment manager for the University of Tennessee football team. And if if maybe some of you, maybe if you're listening to this, you, you follow college football. And you can tell one of the recruiting pitches that most football programs use is that you come here and we are family. And I can't speak for the truth about that statement with a lot of programs, but I know being on the inside of the University of Tennessee football program It really is about family. It's an absolutely true statement. Our team was a family, along with the coaches and the support staff, and we were all united under one symbol and one color. Our symbol was the power T, and our color was Tennessee orange. It was our standard. And you know, even if it wasn't game day, if you're just a normal student at the University of Tennessee, you see people walking around with very specific clothes that have these power T's on them. Why? It's because that's the standard. And so every clothing we would give our players, it would have a power tee somewhere or it would be Orange. Our players always needed to remember who they represented. Now, within our football team, there were smaller family units. My job was to work with the running backs. Believe it or not, our running backs had their own saying, their own symbol, if you will. They wore t-shirts. Proclaiming Tennessee running backs always make plays, and it was a saying that was used over and over on the practice field. It was this mindset that you don't let one guy bring you down, because Tennessee running backs always make plays. And and the coach would say that, and the Tennessee running backs believed it. It was the banner for the group. It wasn't the same banner of the offensive linemen. That wouldn't make sense. It wasn't the same banner for the defensive backs. But for our position group, Tennessee running backs always make plays. And there was pride in their job on the team because that was their banner. So understand God instructed Israel to camp under two separate things, a standard and a banner. The standard identified this larger group, and the banner identified the family unit. And I believe today, it's important for us to understand the principle behind this. So let's first talk about the Israelites uh, being or camping under their standard. The word for standard in the Hebrew here, Degel refers to a banner raised as a standard in war. Okay, so it was an identifier that signaled a cooperative effort. So we talked about how there were different tribes, three to the east, three to the south, three to the west, three to the north. Each of those 12 tribes would have their own standard they would have their own unique identifier that that signified their cooperative effort as a tribe. So so what was this banner? What's interesting, the Midrash teaches that this banner referred to a colored cloth that corresponded to the color of the tribe's stone on the breastplate of the high priest. See, in Exodus 28, verses 15 to 21, each tribe was given a stone to represent them on that priestly breastplate. And on the day of atonement, the high priest knew who he represented because he literally carried the weight of their stone on him as he entered the Holy of Holies on behalf of each tribe. So the color of each tribe's stone became their standard. And I understand this perfectly. My son a huge University of Tennessee fan, do you know what the predominant color is in his bedroom? It's orange. Why? Because he loves Tennessee. He would wear orange every day of the week if we would let him. Even if he gets something that doesn't have a power T on it, it's okay as long as it's orange because that's the official color of UT. And in the very same way, understand when you saw a banner with the color that represented that tribe, you knew exactly who they belonged to. It was their standard. Now, each tribe was unique in their responsibilities to the overall Israelite family. So Judah, Judah was the lion. That was given to Judah by Jacob in Genesis 49, verse 9. So the tribe of Judah was this leader group, right? So when the tribes marched during the 40-year journey, guess who led the way? Judah. They set out first. Judah was this kingly tribe. So King David was from the tribe of Judah. And understand as well, they camped on the side of where the opening to the tabernacle was. Wouldn't that make sense? Because God is placing them in a location. And he says, I want you to protect my house. And the weakest area is where the opening is. So what about the tribe of Dan? Well, the Bible says Dan is the rear guard. If you look at Numbers chapter 25 verse 10 it says this, finally, as the rear guard for all the units, the divisions of the camp of Dan set out under their standard. The tribe of Dan had the responsibility of protecting the backside as the tribe's marched. Did you know that when God placed each tribe when they reached the promised land, he placed the tribe of Dan on the backside of the country in relation to where attacks usually came from the enemies. See, attacks from people like Babylon and Assyria come from the northeast. Guess where Dan was placed in the southwest on the backside? Because that's always the role he gave Dan. So did did the tribe of Dan do a good job fulfilling their duties? Well, they ended up moving their territory to the north. And they were the first tribe destroyed during the Babylonian invasion. God didn't tell them to move that. But you see in the book of Judges, they decide, oh, it's much prettier in the north. Let's move there. And they were the very first tribe to get obliterated when Babylon came in. And not only that, if you look at Revelation 7, you only see 11 tribes listed in heaven. Guess which tribe is missing? Dan. See, knowing our standard and then living out our standard is important. So what does our standard look like today? We, who, who has God placed me with in which my life is to line up in a cooperative effort for Jesus? If you're a believer in Jesus, we talked about just a few moments ago, the necessity spiritually to be in a community Who is it that he has placed you around that also believes in Jesus? In community is where we get sharpened by each other. Well, that only happens if you're in close contact with someone else. Hebrews 10 puts it like this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, that's Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, it's this idea of understand how important community is. Don't give up being together. So what does this look like? Well, let me just tell you what it looks like for the body of believers that I surround myself with. About five years ago, the Lord took our church through a visioning process. Our prayer was for God to give us His marching orders specifically for our church. See, I believe God has a unique role for every church in the community in which He places that church. So in our area, there are some churches that are incredible at serving You can just bet if there's a need somewhere, there's going to be someone in one of those churches meeting that need. Other churches in our community are such incredible worshipers. When you go to a service there, it's as if the Holy Spirit is giving you a hug during the worship service. Still, there are other churches in our area that display grace in powerful ways in our community. So the question is, at our church, what, God, do you want us to be about? Us, not that church and not that church, but our church. What is it you want us to be about? And He gave us core values that have become the standard for our church. So let me just tell you what he told us to be about at our church. He said, I want you to be about love. So everything you say or do, express the love of Christ. Second one was prayer. Make private and corporate prayer a priority. The third one was scripture. Use God's holy word as the basis for preaching, teaching, in everyday living. The fourth one was evangelism. And that is simply trying to spread the gospel of Jesus to every corner of the world. Five was worship. We see a church that when God reveals Himself, we respond appropriately. That is the biblical definition of worship. When God reveals Himself in His ways, you respond correctly and appropriately. Six was discipleship. We want to equip believers to, to build reproducing disciples. And lastly, ministry. And that's a church that selflessly serves others in practical ways. That, those seven things are the core values. Those are the standard of our church. That's what God instructed us to be about. Let me ask you, Do you have core values that identify His standard for the church you're a part of? If so, my next question is this. How well do you know those standards? See, we can't live out the standard God gives us to be about if we don't know the standard. Those seven things that God has put on our heart and our church it's the job of every believer to know it in their heart and not just know it, but to live it. So my question, are you camping under your standard? If your ch- church has core values, are you making them a priority in your life? And are those values driving your ministry and your church's ministry? Because that's a standard. It's what, when God places a group of people like a church together, you better know what he's calling you to be about. And you better be busy doing it. We cannot be like the tribe of Dan. who doesn't fulfill the duties that God gives us. Second thing that the Israelites were to camp under, not only was it their standard, but they were to camp holding the banners of their family, it says in Numbers 2.2. So within the large group, God gave each family a personal banner. And this family banner signified what God had called each individual family to be about. Have you ever gone through the process of asking the Lord what he wants your family, your individual family to be about. About four years ago, I went through this process with a group of guys and we sought the Lord's guidance in finding our family banner. We spent months asking him to show us what priorities he had in each of our individual families. So for my family, He gave me nine specific things that he said, Mark, this is what I want the Whiteheads to be about. And so I went through this process and we developed this coat of arms, um, which uh, is something that I can look at and it reminds me of the priorities that I have. And it reminds me of the importance of passing them down to my children. Because here's the thing, Our job is to not only hold our family banner, but to let our kids hold the banner and show them how to put their fingers around it so that they can hold it when it's their turn. And then they can learn to teach it to their kids who will teach it to their kids. It's a generational thing. These family banners are not a a one-time thing. They're generational So God convicted me on these nine things for the Whitehead family. He says, Mark, I want you to pass on to your kids what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I I want you to pass on a love for my word. Show them what it looks like to love my word. Display it. Live it out where you're feasting on it daily. Mark, show them what it looks like to have active time in prayer. Show them that's important. Show them what it looks like to live by faith, where you listen to my voice and you obey whatever you hear me tell you to do. Mark, I want you to show them what it looks like to make disciples. So bring men in, disciple them, show them what it looks like to follow Jesus and teach your children to do the same. Mark, teach your kids to love all nations and to be willing to follow me wherever I take them. Teach them what it looks like to serve. Teach them to love others with the agape love of Jesus that only comes from Him. And while doing all that, teach them to stay focused on their prize because one day for the faithful, there's a reward. Heaven. Heaven. So these are the things that God has called the Whitehead family to be about. This is my banner and my family's banner, the banner that um, God intends to be passed down for generations. So what has God called you and your family to be about? What has He called you to actively be pursuing and actively passing down to the next generation? What are those things that they must hold on Because that's their banner. So are you living a life? Are you living your life in such a way that your family is able to hold on to the family banner? See, I know exactly what priorities God has given me. And He's entrusted me to pass down those priorities to my children. That means I better be living them out and teaching those priorities to them. Thank you for listening to this podcast about Numbers 2. I look forward to more time with you in Numbers 3.